as Ernie said earlier, as he read the scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, it's our victory. He has risen. He has risen indeed. So if you get nothing else this morning, understand this is victory day. This is a day of celebration. Now there is a movie and a book that's taking our culture and our country by storm. It's the Hunger Games. Has anybody seen the Hunger Games? Anybody in here seen it? Okay, a few. Have anybody read the book? Okay, you'll know that the Hunger Games right now is one of the greatest grossing films of all time at this point up to its release. The first weekend alone, $155 million were taken in at box offices across our country. That's just absolutely incredible. Teens, young adults, and really people of all ages are just captivated by this movie. And I've got to tell you, my sixth grade son really wanted to see it. I wasn't sure about it. I hadn't read the book. I went, I watched the movie a week ago with him, and I couldn't stop thinking about Easter. I couldn't stop thinking about it as I heard some of the the key phrases in the film. I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that within that movie, there are messages for us to grab a hold of. Now, I need to give you the premise. I know some of you have no idea what it is. It's really a, a terrible nightmare, the premise itself. It's our country, only it's not the United States of America. It's past some terrible wartime. Instead of 50 states, there's now 12 districts. And for over 70 years, uh, the, the people that are in charge, the rulers, have put into place this event, this annual event called the Hunger Games, where they select, and this is going to be hard for us to fathom, two teenagers, one boy, one girl, from each of the 12 districts, and they gather together for a battle to the death. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, how in the world can we find anything in something like that on a day like today, a victory day? Well, here's what I want you to understand, is that within this movie that's sweeping our country, that's sweeping our culture, there are messages that provide victory for Christians and for those seeking Hope in the world in which we live. The first message that we see from the movie is is this. Hope is the only thing that is greater than fear. Hope is the only thing that is greater than fear. Can you imagine living in a time where the vast majority of the people live in poverty? Where starvation is a reality for for more people than not? Where, Where the government... It is so uh, focused on keeping uprisings from happening that they put together an annual battle to the death. That's exactly what happens in the Hunger Games. And in the midst of this, there's a hero that emerges, and she begins, begins to give hope for people searching for hope. We've got a, a still shot of, of one of the scenes from the movie. This is the president, and he is so concerned because hope is beginning to blink its eye. Hope is beginning to become a reality. And he utters these words, hope is the only thing that is greater than fear. Hope is the only thing that is greater than fear. Fear really does drive us. I know some of you, as you come today on this beautiful Easter Sunday morning, you're worried about your life and about your world. Maybe the job situation isn't what you'd like it to be. Maybe you've been trying to sell a house for some time, and it just won't seem to, to sell. Maybe your children, you're worried about their future. You're worried about what kind of world are they going to walk into at some point in time. 
and understand that on Easter Sunday morning, hope is still greater than fear. Because, catch this, Jesus Christ beat death once and for all. We we don't want hard times in our life. We don't enjoy seasons of struggle. But understand this, it's during these times in our lives that the cream truly rises to the top. We really affirm what foundation we're trying to build our lives on. Do you realize that for 2,000 years, people have not gathered together and said, the stock market has risen. The stock market has risen indeed. They haven't gathered together and said, the dollar has risen. The dollar has risen indeed. Or employment rate, it's risen. Or the gross domestic product, it's risen. Or the value of my 401k has risen. It has risen indeed. Friends, there is one hope that's held up human beings across every continent and culture for 2,000 years in difficult times of poverty and disease and pain and hardship and death itself. And here's what it is. Christ the Lord has risen. Christ has risen indeed. For Christ followers, hope became reality when Jesus arose. Hope became reality when Christ Jesus rose. 1 Peter one twenty one. I love this verse of scripture. Peter was a disciple and late in his life he threw out this promise for us. Through Jesus Christ you believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and your hope are in God. Hope is greater than fear. Praise the Lord. Message number two that you find in the Hunger Games is this. I'll go in your place. I told you about the, the, the event, the, 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 um, the, the battle that took place every year. The 24 teens gather together. And what played out in District 12, where our story takes place, is they gathered all the 12 through 18-year-olds together. And they had a big, big basket full of names. And they reached in and they called the name of a boy and they called the name of a girl. And those two would more than likely be leaving to go to their death in this terrible, awful, horrific battle. And in the family's worst nightmare, sweet little 12-year-old Prim, you see her on the screen, her name was drawn. And you can just see the, the breath begin to leave people's expressions. Oh no, that's sweet little prim. How can that happen? And then something incredible happened. Hollywood did a great job painting it for us. Her older sister, Katniss, came flying to the stage and said, I will go in her place. You're not taking my little sister. I will go. Realizing that she was probably signing her own death wish. And throughout the rest of the movie, her actions became known as the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. And when I'm watching that, guess who I thought of? I thought of Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for you and for me. The ultimate sacrifice. This, this week at our, our church, We had a Thursday night service where we celebrated the institution of the Lord's Supper. We had a noon service on Friday where we remembered the the death of Jesus. Jesus 
dying on the cross in the worst way possible by crucifixion. And as we went through those services, it was very dark. At times, it was very discouraging. As we read the scripture about exactly what Jesus Christ went through, tears began to form in our eyes. And as we concluded our Friday noon service, we invited people, as they left in silence, to come to the cross and to simply utter the words, thank you, Jesus. Because while in this movie, this is a great sacrifice, older sister for younger sister, Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me so we don't have to live in fear, so we don't have to be discouraged. For Christ followers, the ultimate sacrifice, it's not just a movie theme, it's the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you and for me. I love the words of that hymn. Many of you will know it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, if you see the Hunger Games, you're, you're going to hear hope is the only thing greater than fear. You're going to hear I'll go in your place. But probably the most famous message of all is, is this third message, may the odds be ever in your favor. May the odds be ever in your favor. And we live in a day and an age of odds, don't we? Would you agree with that? In fact, if you weren't at church this morning and you wanted to try to gamble, you could legally put money on, say, a team to, to win the World Series in 2012. Now, I don't recommend that, but you could do that. And if you put some money on the Chicago Cubs, any idea what your odds would be? Now, some of you are thinking a million to one, but believe it or not, it's only 40 to one that the Cubs will win the World Series this year. There's a little bit of hope, Cub fans. Now, if you're a little smarter than that and you want to put some money on, say, the St. Louis Cardinals, your odds would be 20 to 1. And if you wanted to put some money on that awful team from Los Angeles, the Angels, where Albert Pujols dared to go, it'd be 7 to 1. And, and the favorite is the Philadelphia Phillies at 5 to 1. Or maybe you don't want to wait till October. Maybe you're a basketball fan and you want to put some money on the Chicago Bulls to win the NBA championship. Just 4 to 1 are the odds. They're, they're a favorite. The Miami Heat, the overall favorite, two to one. But most of us, we're not going to do that. We, we don't gamble, do we? That's not our thing, many of us. But you know, we do gamble in life, if you think about it. We do try to stack the odds in our personal favor. We tell our kids, get good grades, do good in school, get involved in extracurricular activities. The more, the merrier, because it will help you get into the college of your choice. It will help you find success in your life. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. We should do that. Or, or maybe community involvement, or, or, or maybe we live by the motto, I'm going to be healthy, and I'm going to be wealthy, and I'm going to be wise. And if I do that, the odds become stacked in my favor. Believe it or not, we're kind of embracing the message from this new movie, May the Odds Be Ever in your favor. But, but here's the thing I want you to catch this morning. For Christ followers, if Jesus is Lord of your life, you get to stop playing the game. 
You don't have to try to get the odds stacked in your favor. You know why? Because we are destined to win. The outcome has already been decided. The Apostle Paul wrote a book called 1 Corinthians. And and at the end of the book, in chapter 15, he takes like 50 verses. And all he does is talk about today, Easter, the resurrection. That's all he talks about. And he's kind of talking to himself as he writes. And he just over and over and over again drives home the power of the resurrection. The power of the victory that we have in, in Christ Jesus. And he concludes that chapter with these verses. He says, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, for Christ followers, it's victory day. It's celebration day. We reaffirm that we are destined to win. There was a guy that that lived about 100 years ago by the name of Eugene Bartlett. Eugene Bartlett was very successful in in a time when it was difficult to be successful. The odds were kind of stacked against him, but he found success in business. And man, he loved the Lord. He was passionate about the Lord. So he decided he wanted to give back to the Lord just a little bit of what the Lord had blessed him with. And so he started writing songs of praise. We called them hymns. And not only did he write dozens and dozens of hymns, he decided it would be really cool if when Christians got together to worship, they actually had a book that had all the different songs in it. And what do we call those today? We call them hymnals. And 20 years ago, you would come to church, and we actually used hymnals. It was before there were screens. And for for the whole rest of his life, he dedicated his cause on this earth, his purpose on this earth, to writing music. And making sure that people like you and me had the ability to sing praises to to the Lord's name. At the age of 52, he had a debilitating stroke. And his doctor said, "Your, your career is finished. You will sing no more. You will work no more. You've done a lot. Sit back. Enjoy life. Live life to its best in your remaining time on earth. But Eugene Bartlett set out to write one final hymn. It turned out to be his masterpiece. It's a song many of you will recognize. Very appropriate that I share it with you today. It goes a little bit like this. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. Now all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Victory in Jesus. What's the point this morning? The point is this, following Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for today, and thank you for the difference that you make in our lives. Thank you for the hope that that we don't just see, but the hope that is realized because your son, Jesus Christ, 
went to the cross. He died in an ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. And because of that, we proclaim this morning victory in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to worship at this time, and I want to invite you to stand with us this morning as we celebrate the difference Jesus Christ makes. Let's stand together, please.
distant hill, our greatest shame, three crosses stand, one bears my name, but on that cross there hangs a lamb consumed and lost for what I am without the cross without his blood without Oh!
as we prepare for communion, let's sing together, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let me check your memory. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you, choir. At Easter, I think of a stone, a big stone. Maybe you could call it a boulder. It's round, it's heavy. It used to seal the opening of a tomb, but not anymore. Ask Mary. Ask the other Mary. Ask Peter. Ask Lazarus. And they'll tell you stones were never a match for God. There used to be a large stone in front of a tomb. And I do know it was moved. And I also know that there are stones in your paths and mine. Maybe that's why you're here today. Stones that trip us. Stones that trap us. Stones too big for us. I also know the God who spoke still speaks. 
The God who forgave still forgives. The God who came still comes. He comes into our world and he comes to do what we can't. He comes to move the stones you and I can't budge. Stones are no match for God. Not then. Not now. Father, as we come to remind ourselves the cost of our sins, your very blood and flesh torn for us, we give you praise. Help us is our request. Thankfulness for forgiveness. We come humbly. In Jesus' name, amen.